Well, hey, everyone. So glad that you're here. This weekend, a park view. Those of you around the building and online with us, thank you so much for being here. It's another great weekend here at Parkview. We're excited. We're doing another weekend of At The Movies Experience, which we're excited about. And I can't tell you what the movie is, but I can tell you that if you're a Matt Damon fan, you're going to love this weekend. And if you're curious what At The Movies Experience is, uh, all through the Bible, Jesus took story and he took narrative and he connected it to biblical themes. And so that's what we're doing. We're taking some movies that are kind of popular around culture, and we're tying in some biblical themes to it, and it's a pretty cool experience. So you're going to enjoy, hopefully, this weekend. If you're newer with us to our church, I want to welcome you. We'd love to connect with you, uh, answer any questions that you have. And the best way that you can do that is after service, go out to our Next Steps booth. We've got some people out there that would love to meet you and get to know you a little bit. Or throughout the service, you can just go to Parkview Church. Info. In fact, that's the best way for you to stay in step with us and know what's happening from week to week around here. And like I said, there is a lot that's happening around here, but there's two things that I don't want you to miss out on that are coming up here at our church. And the first one is Alpha. If you're curious about God, uh, maybe the Bible, how those things fit together in your life, then you're going to want to check this out. Alpha is a nine-week experience uh, where we talk about some of the big issues around faith and what it looks like to be a Christian. And we're going to be doing this all around the campuses in our community, uh, locally here in some of the bars. So you're not going to want to miss out on this. It's a great way for you to just to connect with people and uh, do so in kind of like a low pressure environment. It all begins October 11th and registration is online. The second thing is that we love to reach kids in our community. We love partnering with families and helping kids learn a little bit more about Jesus and connecting them here to our church. And we're going to do that this end of this month. We're going to throw a huge event. It's called Trunk or Treat. Uh, it's going to be on Friday night, October 28th at 6.30. And we're looking for a lot of you to join with us, decorate your cars, bring a bunch of candy, and help us invest into the lives of kids and families here around the area. So if you want to join us, we'd love for you to do it. All you got to do is register your car with us online. Uh, and then we're going to invite the whole community to come out. And it should be a great time again, Friday night, October 28th. So that's your top two for the coming things this week here at Parkview. Uh, but today, I want to invite us uh, to do something. I'm sure that we've all been watching the news about Hurricane Ian. And still now, you know, there's some two million people without power. Uh, you know, places like Fort Myers are just devastated. Uh, houses being washed away. And so what we're going to do is I want to encourage you guys to join with us. Uh, if you've been around Parkview for a long time, then you know that we partner with an organization called Convoy of Hope, uh, and that's one of the ways that we help in moments like this when we have devastation in our country. Check this out. Convoy of Hope is here in Fort Myers, Florida, ground zero for Hurricane Ian. All over is devastation. Houses underwater, trees and power lines down everywhere. Many lives are forever changed. At a time of hopelessness for so many here, Convoy of Hope is providing the hope survivors are looking for. Our disaster services team is delivering essential supplies people need and will need for weeks to come. Thank you for your support that allows Convoy of Hope to make such a difference here at a time that is so tragic for so many. You can join our response at convoy.org slash Ian. You might not know this, but we give regularly to Convoy of Hope uh, through all the giving that comes into our church. It's one of our mission partners. And so today I want to encourage us to go above and beyond our regular generosity and support direct relief efforts for the families that have been impacted by this by giving an additional gift. And 100% of that additional gift that you make today will go right to Convoy of Hope 
And so the real question is then, how do you do that? Well, there's a couple ways. Uh, first, you could go to parkviewchurch.com give. Uh, if you go out to that webpage, you'll get a drop-down menu. You can select Hurricane Relief and give directly there. Uh, or here today, if you want to just take out your phone and text the word give, you can do that to 65649. You'll get a link that'll take you right to that giving form. And again, the drop-down bar will be there. You can select Hurricane Relief that way. Or right in front of you, there's a white envelope. You could grab that envelope, put an additional gift in there, and just label that envelope Ian, and we'll know that you're designating that for Convoy of Hope. If there's one thing I know about our church, it's filled with a ton of generous people, and this is a great way for us to lean into our mission partners and to help make a difference for those who are really going through a hard time in Florida right now. So with that in mind, I'm going to invite us to pray, and then we'll continue in service together. Father, first, we just want to say thank you for this space. God, thank you that we get to be here and to worship you and honor you for the God that you are and all that you've done. And we know that down in Florida right now, there are folks like that who just don't have that space available. Uh, So God, we pray for mercy. God, we pray for you to do something incredible amidst all the pain and devastation that's happening down there right now. And God, I pray that you'd stir our hearts. God, that we would be generous today to lean in and to partner with our mission partners to help make a difference down in Florida. Uh, God, thank you for the God that you are, that you're present even in moments like this. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, why don't we stand up together? It's a great opportunity for us to sing to our God, so let's join together and worship. Good morning and welcome to Parkview. I hope that you guys are here and ready to worship because we serve an amazing God. Amen. Here we go. Praise be you up and let's
lift your name up in this place this morning. Father God, we give you the glory and the praise because you are so, so good. There is no one like you. No one even compares. Father God, you are merciful. You are loving. You are kind. You are compassionate. You are forgiving. You are everything that we need. And so this morning we come to you with love and with thanksgiving, bringing you praise this morning. Won't you continue to speak and move in this place? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's lift up a hand clap of praise to our God who is so good. He is so good, church. You all may be seated. for you, sir. What did he say? He said Ford makes ugly little cars in ugly factories. We're gonna bury Ferrari at Le Mans. So the great Carol Shelby is gonna build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. And how long did you tell them you needed? Two or three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> This isn't the first time Ford Motors has gone to war. We know how to do more than push paper. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. Thank you, sir. Do you think you can beat Ferrari? We're lighter, we're faster. That don't work, we're nastier. History. If this were a beauty pageant, we just lost. Looks hard, everything.
Welcome everybody to At The Movies. Ford versus Ferrari today. We got a Ford, we got a Ferrari. They won't let me even get inside, so don't you worry. We're at the Autobahn in Joliet, uh, talking about this movie uh, that's a true story about the world of auto racing in the 1960s. And if you're not into racing, don't worry. There's a little bit of drama, there's a little violence, there's even a little love story along the way, okay? Carol Shelby, who was played by Matt Damon, was a race car driver and one of the few Americans to win the Le Mans 24-hour race, uh, but he was diagnosed with a heart condition that abruptly ended his racing career, and people saw him as a washed-up, too-old has-been, like they do me. And then there's Ken Miles, played by Christian Bale, an eccentric, passionate, socially awkward auto mechanic with an awesome accent. He's a small-time race car driver who knew how to control the car better than he knew how to control his emotions, okay? And as you can already tell, there is a, a story of misfits in here, okay? This is a story of misfits who together accomplished something that a billion-dollar car company with tens of thousands of employees could not pull off. Now, it may not make sense to you, but back in the 60s, the auto wars were about uh, winning races on Sunday so that they could sell cars on Monday. And the Ford Motor Company was nowhere near the winner's circle in any race on any Sunday. Enter the two misfits who were not suit and tie guys like the higher ups at Ford. These are just two guys who know cars. And while you might see a race car movie, this movie reminds me of a very important truth. God has a habit of choosing unlikely people that aren't from the right family or the right background or who don't have the right looks uh, to do extraordinary things. In fact, he likes choosing the underdog to do the impossible. So this movie is a little less of a racing movie to me and a little bit more like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in the Island of Misfit Toys, okay? In our movie, the highly qualified guys at Ford couldn't figure out how to win a race. So Henry Ford II sent Lee Iacocca, you gotta love all of this, right? To go pitch this idea to Carroll Shelby. It's basically help Ford build a car to beat Ferrari and win the 24 hours at Le Mans and do it all in 90 days. To this day, it would remain an impossible assignment, but not if you add these two misfits to the equation. So you're saying it's challenging. Look, it's not even a track, Lee. Le Mans eight and a half miles of country road. It's narrow, ungraded, it's rough. There's no camber on the turns, no rails. You gotta do that for 24 hours. That means night. Half that race is in the dark. Drivers stumbling around the track. You're exhausted, you're hungry. Can't remember your name, what country you're in. And all of a sudden you realize you're doing 198 on a straight. And if anything goes wrong, you blow a gasket, five cent washer. That's it, whole thing's over. Ferrari wins again. Just like he won last year, year before that, year before that. So you don't think that Ford Motor Company can build the greatest race car the world's ever seen, think that we are incapable of winning an event like that, even if we had a brilliant partner, even if we wrote a, uh, a blank check. What I'm saying is you can't buy a win, Lee. 
but maybe you could buy the guy who gets you a shot. A new transmission, axles, shocks all around, ditch the body and the tires, you have yourself a contender. Anything on this beauty that does work? So what, you just passing or evening stroll? Actually, Bulldog, I have a proposition for you. Yeah. So, uh, Shell. Grabbing air. That's the problem. Over 90. Air's getting in, not getting out. It's the nose. I can feel it in the wheel. Mr. Miles, if there's a problem, the computer will find it. Oh, Charlie, get some scotch tape and a ball of wool. What are they doing? Making your car faster. Shelby, welcome to Dearborn. What are you doing at a test track? You're gonna get oil all over that nice suit. Uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on a few planning decisions. Personnel for Lamont. Well, Ken Miles, we like Richie Ginter, Mastin Gregory, Bondurant. Well, you're gonna want the best driver for the car, understands the machine. Uh, that's Ken. Oh, yes! More of that, please. Miles, is it? Well, he's a beatnik. He dresses like one. Ford means reliability. Ken Miles not a Ford man. Oh! Giddy up! Giddy up! What's the lap record here, Bert? 158? 150, dead. A beatnik. That man landed a busted tank on the beach at D-Day and drove it clean across Europe to Berlin. A beatnik. You know, Lee here asked me a while back, what's the one thing money can't buy? I'll tell you what it is. A pure racer behind the wheel of your car. That's Ken Miles. Well, be that as it may, we think he may be too pure. If you've ever felt like you couldn't make the grade, you didn't measure up, whatever, you probably feel a lot like what it felt like to be Ken Miles, right? But here's the thing about God. He often chooses the most unlikely people to accomplish the most extraordinary things. He loves to use unqualified people, people the world wouldn't even take a second look at. Do I have a verse for that? Oh, yes, I do. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Paul's talking about people that God used to change the world for his glory. So the less qualified we are, the more honor God gets when we succeed. Because it's just clear to others that God is doing it, and it's not in our own strength. This is the story of Parkview. Uh, you want to know what superhuman gift your pastor has uh, that makes God able to use me? You know what it is? You know what my qualifications are? Is it my spiritual depth? 
stop laughing out there? Is, my, is it my boss beard? I mean, what is it? You know what I know what my gift is? My gift is that I'm not afraid of public speaking. That's all. Uh, the number one fear of most people in the world is public speaking. And for some reason, I didn't get that gene. It's just broken. So if I'm in a room and nobody's talking, I'm probably going to get up and start talking. That's how it works. That's my gift. I've been banned from libraries all over the country, okay? That's probably not you. Uh, maybe you're normal <laughs> and public speaking is not your thing, you know? Maybe you're an introvert like my wife who would rather have a root canal than be in a room and have to make casual conversation with people that she doesn't know. Does that mean that God can't use you? Well, actually, it probably means he wants to use you even more. Carol Shelby had to break the difficult news to Miles that he was not going to get to race at Le Mans, at least not this time, because he didn't fit in with the mold of a Ford man. And so he stays behind, but then somebody expresses that they still believe in him, that they still love him. Who? In spite of the rough edges, Ken Miles is married to a good, good woman who knows how to love him. Ken, the race is starting soon, want it on the radio? Uh, not unless you do. What's that you're listening to? Uh, some race over in France. Exciting. Not really paying much attention. couldn't help but think as I watched that scene about the different people in my life who've believed in me, who've been there for me, encouraged me, given me a good word, right? Um, and I hope you're thinking of the same thing. People who put an arm around my shoulder when I needed it, 
number one is my introverted wife. I mean, you know, she doesn't show up in the garage with a beer very often. I'm just saying, but I'm gluten intolerant anyway. And can I just say that if you ever see me under a car, you should call an ambulance because I probably got run over. Okay. I just wonder who is it that, that you know, maybe in your family, in your small group, in your school, in your neighborhood, who might just need a little bit of encouragement from you, might just need your arm around their shoulder. The eternal impact of one gesture can be enormous. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. We know how this works because at some point in our lives, someone helped us succeed. Maybe it was your parents, uh, hopefully it was, or a teacher, or a coach, or, or maybe even a boss, right? That person that inspired greatness inside of you and, and caused you to believe in yourself um, because they did. Well, after a disastrous trip to Le Mans without Ken, upon returning, Shelby attempts to try to convince the hurt and reluctant Ken that he should give it another shot but doing so won't be a walk in the park. You were right. It's a gearbox. We ran too hot. Three out of four of them broke. Rod blew on the other one. We're going back, Ken. Well, the uh, ice cream's melting. All right. Hey, Ken, you want me to apologize? I don't know. Let's try it out. Let's uh, see how that feels. Do you have any idea just to get four wheels on that grid? No, you don't, because you don't deal with any of that stuff. Now knock it off, Ken. We got work to do, and this car ain't going to build itself. <clears throat> ah. <laughs> okay. All right. Pop, please. Yes, love. You want one too, Shelby? No. Oh, yes, please, no. Marley. No. He can get his own. Just for me, please. You want to oh. go again? Here you go. Oh. Oh. Good angel. Thank you. Oh. My pleasure. Right, well, I'm about to go to the grocery store. Anything you think you'll need? Bread. Well, I'm good, thank you. Do you know what that scene reminds me of, really? It's, it's Jesus' disciples, okay? If you look at the guys that Jesus chose to be his disciples, it kind of leaves you scratching your head just a little bit. I mean, you talk about a band of misfits. They're mostly fishermen, you know, a tax collector thrown in there. They're rough around the edges. They were, you know, they're, they're from the other side of the tracks, right? They, they were from the lake where they fished. They were really basically the ancient version of rednecks, okay? Jesus even called a couple of them the sons of thunder. 
right? I mean, <laughs> they were always a little bit out of control. Sounds like a motorcycle gang. But these are the guys who changed the world. How does that happen? Because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. All right, can I say that again? He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. So when God asks us to do something, um, he gives us what we need to get the job done. So Shelby and Ken make up, but now Shelby has to convince Mr. Ford that Miles is his guy and he needs him. This is my favorite scene. So Shelby hatches, uh, well, let's just say an unorthodox plan. Mr. Ford, this is a surprise. Apologies for the unannounced intrusion, Mr. Shelby, but a man pays $9 million for an automobile. He ought to at least be able to see it. Well, that sounds reasonable enough. Uh, Shelby, can I have a word? Sure. In private? Ah, uh, yeah, that would be preferable. Now, I, I do hope that this won't be a problem between us. Well, I assure you, Leo, it will not. Hey, Carol? Carol! And what is that top speed with the uh, 420? Well, why don't we take speed? it for a spin? What? Yeah, go on, Mr. Ford. Hop on in. Go on. You want me to... Just see what $9 million feels like. Open the door! Hey, open the door! Open the door! Open the door! Just to hold me right there, and you take my hand. Open the door. Sorry, sir. If you just give me a moment. Open the door! You ready? The name on the middle of that steering wheel should tell you that I was born ready, Shelby. Hit it. That a boy. It's about right now the uninitiated have a tendency to soil themselves. I wish my daddy, he were alive to see this, <laughs> to feel this. Now, this is not a machine does anybody can get in and easily control. Absolutely not. I had no idea. Now, you want to win Le Mans. You really want to take first place. Ken Miles is a man to do it. Good timing. Now, he knows this car because he helped me build it. Shelby, you know I've already appointed Leo Beebe director Which of is racing. exactly why I'm talking to you. Now, you let Ken Miles race Daytona. If he wins, he gets to drive Lamar. And if he doesn't? Ford Motor Company gets full ownership of Shelby American. Lock, stock, and brand forever. I love that scene. Here you have one of the most powerful, richest men in the world, but he gets schooled and humbled by a rough-around-the-edges cowboy hat-wearing, washed-up race car driver named Carol Shelby, who convinced him 
that to win at Le Mans, they needed 10 miles. You see, a race car is only as good as the person behind the wheel. It's got to be in the right hands. And I can tell you something amazing about God. If you will put your life in his hands, he will do amazing things with you. Because God loves using unqualified, ordinary people. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. God loves using people like you and like me. After Jesus' resurrection, this bunch of rednecks were preaching on Pentecost, which is the day that they started the church. And the Bible says that the people who heard them speaking were utterly amazed. They asked themselves, wait, aren't those the Galileans? Which was a way of throwing shade on the disciples. It was saying, those guys are the hicks from the lake, right? I mean, how could they do this? The, the more refined suit people in the city couldn't understand how this happened. But listen to what happened when the sermon is done. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's how the church began. A group of misfits talking about forgiveness and salvation through Jesus and 3,000 people got baptized that day as unqualified people turned the world upside down. And then you get over to Acts chapter four that we studied just a few weeks ago. And it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What is that? Uh, these guys must be with Jesus because they shouldn't be able to do what they're doing. And since they could see the man who had been healed standing there, there was nothing they could say. When you are available, God comes through and there's nothing they can say except, well, I guess they've been with Jesus. In the world of motorsports, eventually Henry Ford looks past Miles and Shelby's unorthodoxy and their son of thunder behavior. And over the objection of his advisors, he takes him to France to go head to head against Ferrari and win this war. Okay. Looks fast, doesn't it? Uh, looks hard everything.
9.9. That's another lap record. Of 142.01. Can you keep this up? Can the car. Let's do this again. Thirty point six. That's another record. Come on, lads, where are you? What's he doing? Mom, why is he slowing down? He's bringing them in. He's bringing them all in together. Good for you. Good for you, Ken. need a lighter chassis. I was thinking bonded aluminium to ground up rebuild, but uh, if it works, we can lose a couple hundred pounds. So now you got to decide, is it going to be 
Chiefs versus Buccaneers tonight or Ford versus Ferrari tonight, right? Um, I know. Some of you, my wife hadn't seen the movie. Some of you ladies might not have. Really unbelievable story. And yeah, I got to wear the jacket because, I mean, where else am I going to ever wear it again? I don't know. Um, I, I just want to explain to you uh, as we get ready for communion now what happened at the end of that race. Because what happened at the end of the race is instead of winning, actually, if you look at the record books, it does not show a winner for Le Mans that year because he decided to pull back. And even though Ford didn't really believe in him up until the very last minute, all three Fords came through together. He humbled himself. And I've just been thinking about, uh, I mean, you love a race movie because you want it to be, you know, you want it to be all about winning. And, and we, we love all about winning. I've been, I've been uh, reading this biography about Patton in World War II and and just let me tell you that um, we got one more at the movies, and then I'm going to start a series on the Lord's Prayer because there was this line in this biography that was uh, about how when the guys are in the foxhole, a lot of times what they do is they say the Lord's Prayer. And this is kind of a, we weren't planning on going this direction, but I feel like a lot of us are in the foxhole right now. I feel like a lot of us are just really needing to go back to the basics. We're going to, I can't wait to preach, deliver us from evil. Can't wait to preach our Father who art in heaven. So we're going to do that. Not next week. We've got one more at the movies, and then we're going to do that. But in this, in this, bio, in this, in this biography of Patton, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it. The world, we needed a Patton. He was an arrogant, you know, warrior, general. And we needed that to defeat Hitler. But when it came to Jesus, um, we really don't have that in Jesus. Jesus wasn't even really a winner. My friend Hayden sent me the lyrics to this song. When I least expect it here and there, I see my Savior's face. He's still my favorite loser, falling for the entire human race. And I think what I love about this movie is, I mean, yeah, you want to win and all that, and we all want to win. But when Ken Miles throttled back at the end and allowed everybody to come together, that humility... There's something in there, um, the fact that he was someone who God used, the fact that, so, that God uses unperfect people to do his will reminds me of Philippians 2. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset of Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that's really what it's all about. That's what communion is all about today, is that Jesus humbled himself. He even served that bunch of redneck disciples, and then he empowered them. Once they humbled themselves and they had been with Jesus, then he empowered them to go do what they could never do on their own. And that's what he wants to do for you. Hear the lyrics to that song we sang just a minute ago. No other king would kneel to wash my feet, prepare a table for his enemies, lay down his glory for the least of these. No other king would touch a leper's skin, open his arms to let the outcast in, respond with mercy in the face of sin. That's what Jesus did for us. And if maybe you didn't realize that before, maybe somebody invited you to this crazy thing we do every once in a while at the movies. Um, 
Maybe there's a step you need to take. There's a card in front of you we'd love to know. Maybe you need to get baptized like those people did in the book of Acts after those imperfect ragtag bunch of disciples got up and preached a sermon that 3,000 people got baptized. Fill out this card and give it to somebody on your way out. Let us connect with you. We want to help you on your journey. But what I really want to do is to remind you that Christianity is not about winning. It's about humbling and allowing the Savior to use us. And it's symbolized, I mean, the one thing that Jesus asked us to do was to take a little piece of bread and a little juice. There's a cellophane on the top of it and then foil uh, on the top of the, of the juice part. And if you just take those apart, the bread represents his body and the blood is represented by the juice in the cup, which is what? It was his death. He humbled himself and he didn't win so that death could be defeated and we could win. Let's pray. Lord, as we take a moment just to think and, and pray, um, I just thank you for what, for what Christianity is really supposed to be about because a lot of people are not figuring that out these days. It's not supposed to be about our names and glory. It's not supposed to be about getting our way. It's supposed to be about us throttling back and serving. It's about us taking the example of Jesus who made himself nothing so that others could be saved. And Lord, if we didn't realize that, today's a great day for us. Maybe there are people who are going to take communion today and say, Jesus, I didn't realize that you wanted somebody like me. I'm in. I pray that with all my heart today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Just take a moment and then we'll commune together. Friends, this is the body of Christ given for you. Take and eat. Now the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Hey, let's stand up together. We'll take a moment to pray and then we'll send you on your way. Father, thank you for communion, a chance to remember all that you've done for us, a chance to say thank you, a chance for us to remember that one day you're going to come back. And so God, until then, Father, would you help us to live 
lives of surrender. Help us to give those things over to you with courage. God, knowing that you'll be faithful with it. Uh, Lord, and as we do that, we pray, Father, you'd help us to love people around us. You've done so much to display your love for us, and so we pray that you'd help us to do the same for the folks that are around us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great weekend, everyone. We're glad you made it. We'll see you next time.